Hello and welcome to Reconcile Radio. I'm your host, Kelby Sansom, where the central theme of this podcast comes from 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God makes appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And today's segment we're discussing on is legalism and the gospel. And I apologize before I get into it, I can introduce a guest of mine who has been on this podcast before, Tony Pagan. Hi, right, what's up, man? Doing good, Kelby. Good to be back. Good. I'm glad. How you, have you been since last time I've been? Been pretty good, you know. Been Life has been kind of crazy, but it's fun to be just be back to sit down and talk about Bible and stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you got an opportunity to do this here since it's always hectic in our own times. And I just appreciate you got a chance to do this with me. So... As particularly this podcast, usually this podcast usually runs about maybe if no under than no longer than probably ten minutes. So what I want to do is I'm just going to ask you the questions. So rather than me talking all the time and everybody hearing me, I want them to hear what you have to say. Since this is going to be a short podcast, um, we'll try to get short straight to the point. That way we're not doing it like thirty minutes long like other people will do. Because let's be real. Because if you're listening to a podcast that's 30, 45 minutes long, I mean. You, everyone's not going to pay attention until after the 15-minute mark or something. It's like you're preaching on a sermon for about an hour, 20 minutes. You're going to make people fall asleep. So I'm just going to ask you the questions here. And so, like I said, today's uh, topic we talk about is legalism and the gospel. And I tried this before, and of course there were some technical difficulties, and then I had deleted it. So we're going, I'm going to try it again. And this will be the more reproof, better version, I'm sure. <laughs> so... I have the first question here, and my question is for you, Tony, is when we are talking about legalism in the gospel, what do we mean by legalism? It's a two, there's two-part questions, but I'm going to ask you that question first. Okay, I think legalism, to make it simple defined, is the idea when the belief about the Bible or God become the law you live by, without exception. The law so, you live by. Can you go so, into that? Yes. Yeah, so... The idea is that when you believe something about God, say, I believe that God doesn't like alcohol. Doesn't like what? Doesn't like alcohol. Drinking. Alcohol, alcohol, okay. Alcohol, drinking, okay? You don't, you think about that as an absolute law. God doesn't like to dr- me drinking, therefore I will never drink. Okay. And the belief become legalism. Of course, the big problem with this is the no. Bible verse tells you not to drink. Mm-hmm. The Bible verse tells you not to be drunk or to be taken by wine and to have your mind be out of it because of t- drinking and stuff. But another in the Bible that says, oh, you cannot drink anything. Mm-hmm. So legalism would be almost also too, um, where I've done studying myself a little bit too, and I said I promise I wouldn't say anything, but I'd like to say this real quick. Uh, so legalism also would be taking something out of God's word that is uh, beyond the scripture, and you make it, that is, you put it in God's place of, you make it a salvation issue when it's not, and that can be a dangerous territory, and make it what's really important when, to really be honest, it's not a much a big, important issue to make it as a salvation maker, deal breaker. Could be a form of like yeah. legalism. I'll, I'll push back just a tad bit on the legalism. I don't think oh legalism is bad. I think the idea that I shouldn't go kill people, of course, making that ironclad thing, but I do not make an excuse for that, and never being legalistic in my belief on not killing people is okay. 
Mm-hmm. I agree with you, though, that legalism in the nowadays age, it normally silly things are more suggestions and shouldn't be made into convictions. Mm-hmm. Two words for convictions. A, it's a conviction, as you say, a, uh, a, a altering mind. It's a uh, Christian conscience issue that we all must face and we must pray. We must deal with ourselves between God and us and our convictions. Okay. Next question. Uh, well, I'm sorry, the first question still, but the second part of it is, and what does legalism have to do with the gospel? To be honest, it doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. The, go- the gospel is not so much about the rules of God has for his people as it's about the God that pursues his people in love for redemption purposes. Mm-hmm. So they don't have anything in themselves. Now, as far as being a Christian in legalism, there is a connection there. For because God is holy, we must also be holy. And to be holy, we must live set apart. To be set apart, we must live by rules that are laws to us, convictions mm-hmm. that does keep us from being not holy. So it does have a lot to do with our Christian belief system, but for the gospel, which is that God sent his son to die for the sins of his enemy, to redeem them and bring them to reconciliation with himself and get him eternal life, legalism doesn't have a place to bell. Okay, because you said something here that I maybe kind of sound like if it was, let's say if I was a new believer right. and, I, and I were to hear those words as you just said, it's where there is some rules uh, and, and, and I'm here, I brought it the gospel. Wait a minute. I thought the gospel was about being freed from the law and, and sin, of course. So, and yet you're saying we need to be holy as he's holy. And yet you uh, brought up about uh, the law um, and how we have these rules that we need to follow by. So how do you find peace in that with, uh, uh, the, uh, with being freed from the gospel, being, have a freedom for the gospel? So, I think we need to have freedom from the penalty versus freedom to do what we want. The gospel makes us free from the penalties of our sin and law breaking. But it does not excuse us to just ignore what God said not to kill, not to steal, not mm-hmm. to lie, not to cover. It doesn't excuse that. But it does excuse the penalty tied to that. In the Old Testament time, all these laws that we that shackled people had a death penalty to it. Had some extreme penalty that just ridiculous if you and me as normal people would talk about. We would never say two different fabric and you die for that. Mm-hmm. But the idea was when the gospel comes around that no longer you got ridiculous law that don't have that have ridiculous penalties. You Can have fish. Yeah. You have laws then that then help you live a life that is holy, but at the same time if you break said laws you don't have the condemnation you face in the old testament. So the gospel is freeing that I can follow God's law without having to worry that I need to micromanage everything. Because God has Freed me from the burden of the law, but not the substance of the law of doing the law. Okay, so in other words, the gospel it frees you because it gives you the power to do uh, what you ought, but not what you want. So it makes it when you look at the gospel, and if you truly study the gospel, then if you understand it's about Christ, and it's about Him and His atoning work on the cross, and it's about Jesus, then it makes you want to do what is right, and so forth. Okay, next question. 
Why is it important to know what is right and wrong, sin and not sin, in terms of our Christian freedom? Um, right and wrong, it's, I mean, don't gotta be a Christian to, to know why this is a good thing, but I think as a Christian, I will answer as one. I think because God is pleased with the right thing and unpleased with the wrong thing. So, because I am now a follower of Jesus, He paid such a great price for me. He redeemed me, changed my heart, my affections are now to God. And now I want to please God. So knowing why I'm wrong as a Christian is really important because I don't want to displease my God. Now, God free me from having to do this legalistic balance and not being good enough or not good enough. But because my God has freed me, He freed me to be living the right way and freed me to do the right thing that pleases Him. Mm-hmm. And then sin, not sin, I think that question is kind of odd because sin you should never do in the Bible. But we know that we still sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know that we're not supposed to sin, but let me still do. This is where that freedom comes in, is that because we mess up, we're not held to be destroyed by that mess up. Like we did in the old days, in the old law, when the mm-hmm. law was nothing more than just shackles to keep people... In, like, in the, I guess, in the, uh, I guess as it says in the New Testament, it was there for as a foreshadowing, as it's like for, as a tutor, so to speak, until the coming of the faith, until Christ Jesus came. Okay, so now, next question. Is there a wiser way to use our Christian liberty? So let's say, for example, my Christian liberty might be okay to one person, and to another person, it might become a stumbling block. Because let's say, for example, uh, I have my cousin that's coming in, and he's a big influence on the family. He loves drinking wine. He loves it. Uh, so one week, it's great, and we had a great time drinking the wine, and I go home, and I'm content. Now, next week comes. Let's say I have another cousin, but yet he just got out of rehab because he uh, is an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic. And let's say if I'm just a year as he's coming home, I want to bring home the best wine I can, but yet that could be a stumbling block for him if he's a Christian. And um, how would that affect me and how would I use that in wisdom so, so Christian liberty as first going to enter the idea is that as a mature Christian you are free to do whatever and like, not violating what we said before about sinning you know because they're all in first screen at the example was meat sacrificed to idols back in that day a lot of festivals in the Greek and Roman world was two different gods they were blessed the food to different gods now as mature Krishna he says we know there are no other gods they're only God the Father the triune God alone mm-hmm. so as mature Christian I ignore the idol sacrifice there are no idol sacrifice to they're sacrificing the thin air as if there is no God to sacrifice to besides my God. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea was Paul said was the idea that a young Christian comes in who sees me in food sacrifice to a God and doesn't understand that only one God and one God alone is then stomach. Why does mature Christian I respect eating meat sacrificed to a different God when he believes in one God? And then you lose a boy, he says. So it's instead of even risking it at the end of chapter 1 Corinthians 8 verse 13 I will not eat it whatsoever I will abstain from eating the meat to save my brother's soul to keep him from mm-hmm. stumbling 
I do the same thing with everything else in life. Like, mm-hmm. where it'll be like drinking and all this other stuff that some Christians are okay with, mm-hmm. cussing, some Christians are not okay with. So it's like, I think the better thing that be like Paul and just be like, you know what? If you're gonna cause anyone to stumble, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm just gonna choose the high world, the hard world, and not easy to do that. But mm-hmm. I think that is the way to why do you do the Christian liberty? Maybe do it in private. You got your cousin that like to drink, maybe take him out for a drink. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the house, don't have any alcohol for the recovering alcohol. Mm-hmm. That way you both, your yes. liberty is allowed to be wise in that situation and your liberty allowed to be wise in the other situation. Okay. All right. Um, okay. That's a good answer you did here. All right. So, uh, how will you... How will using my Christian liberty harm slash affect my witness? That's one big problem I've had uh, in my and partially my family was uh, whenever if I say if I drank alcohol, of course, and then my aunt always tells me you're going to affect your witness. So is that true? Will you affect your witness if you're not careful what you say, what you do around other Christians? Yeah. So. I mean, as I said before, I think the idea is here that you are so aware of your brothers and your sisters and their need. But remember, your Christian liberty is for Christians. And Eddie doesn't care what you do, one way or the other. Like, they really don't. Mm-hmm. They just want something that said you didn't do something wise. Mm-hmm. But remember, the context of the Bible, especially in 1 Corinthians, is to the church, for the church. So the idea is that if my Christian brother and sister was them from seeing me drink, I won't drink. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to think about it as also the idea of like, if an atheist see me drink, and he got a bad interpretation of the Bible, he said, oh, you're not supposed to drink, which is not in the Bible anyway. Then he said, well, that Christian drinks, therefore God may not be against drinking. Well, that's true. Like, God isn't against drinking. Mm-hmm. True. But God is against the idea of having a lifestyle that portrays that as good. So I wouldn't say it'd be good when a Christian goes to a club every night and thought just I. That would be that would I would say as my one of my mentors have told me in my past of doing that, it would be tarnishing the name of Jesus. Wow. And uh, I'll tell you this too, um, when harming my witness and it's being effective towards me, it really does harm me and. Um, how I represent Christ in my everyday life and how it affects and how I, um, because uh, I think the way you've been transformed by the gospel, obviously, it's not just the gospel you present, but also your deeds represent the gospel and what kind of gospel you're representing. So we have to make sure the gospel is true that we live and we act upon the gospel in the right manner. I think it's also important for us Christians too that it's like, for example, should we be moderate in drinking, sure, or having a cigar, or uh, whatever the case may be? I think it's like this. I put this as an analogy like this. Um, you're standing right beside a fire. Don't uh, You're told not to get as close to the fire. You're not told to go to the fire because you'll burn up. You're burned. Now, let's say you're standing right beside the fire. You stand there for too long. Eventually, you're still going to get burned. So, my objection is... Don't try to get close to as long as you can. Try if you can. If you say stuff like, for example, in my past, I've said, that's okay. I know my limit of my drinking alcohol. I say that, and that's like, eh, maybe I can test that theory. So, therefore, I must uh, abstain it from it then for the sake of, because I need to be above approach, and I need to be a better witness, 
and I need to make sure I do act in such a way that I'm not causing my brothers to sin because if I do that, not only am I sinning against my brother, but I'm sinning against Christ as well. So, my next question here. We're almost done here. So, how do we live with one another despite our differences? Yeah, so I think that Jesus made said, if you want to be my disciple, you will follow after me. You pick up your cross, you will dodge yourself, and you will do the crazy thing, love people the way Christ loved us. Now, particularly, he talked to the disciples again, and talking about the church again, the, the yes. we Christians should love each other mm-hmm. the way Christ loved us. Christ did not do anything that was going to make them people stumble. He did everything for everyone else. He always was selfless. He gave himself up. He always pulled, as he said, pulled himself out as an offering for his friends. Like he called us so friends. It's, so it's better so, to to be selfless um, in order that, okay, so you may help um, gain someone to Christ or you may wow. help someone in their sanctification. So how do we live? I think it sees what seems to be is that how do we live with one another is we see each other in our sanctification or we may see each other, hey, I used to be right where that guy used to be in, in my sanctification work too, so I know I can be patient. But also, I like to see it as that we, how do we bear for one another? How do we live with one another? I think it's based upon their fundamental truths that they can agree upon the fundamental essential truths of the gospel. Uh, that's how I think we can live with one another as well. And how you also said to be selfless and giving your porn yourself out, I guess, like as you said, the Savior did for us. So that way you show love. We know greater love than this when a man lay down his life for his friend. Mm-hmm. I think that really key when we think about living with each other, especially Christian to Christian, we are friends, family. That bond means something. I mean, we put each other first over ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, for non-believer, we got to live with them the best we can as a non-believer. Like, be good to them, show them the love of Christ, but they're not dark brothers. Until they're saved, the nine of family. Okay. All right. Next question. It should be my last one here. Um, how does the gospel free us from legalism? As I said before, I think the gospel free us from legalism and the fact that we don't longer have to go and mind our P's and Q's. The reason we mind our P's and Q's is not because we're afraid that God will be mad at us. It's because God, because we're in love with God now. We're in love with what God is about. We will lower his will, we know what he wants to do, and we want to be a part of that. So it frees us, instead of being people who always think, oh man, I sinned today, God mad at me. Oh man, I said the wrong thing, God can't forgive me. Oh my goodness, look, I did it again, another sin. It frees us from being that kind of person, to being like, God, I'm sorry I messed up, but I know I can try again. I get a second chance, and another chance, and another chance, and another chance. Regress does not end, and therefore you are truly free from being a, as we know, a woke best Christian and being a grass best Christian, mm. which is where you should be at. Where you live the life. Say, can you say it for me this. again? What type, what type of Christian did you say? We go from being a woke best Christian to a grass best Christian. Ah. And by doing that, we live in grass, by grass, for grass. Because we've been given grace. Given infinite grass. It doesn't end. There is no end to God's grass. Praise God, that is a great high note on that. Uh, I'm going to take that and put that as a Facebook post. Uh, all right, so I have some closing thoughts, and but 
uh, I'll let you start with the closing thoughts here. If you have any thoughts of what we said today or anything, anything you want. I think I just reiterate the idea that if you want to truly free from legalism, you got to understand first that you have so much grace given to you that there's no reason to be legalistic. Have no reason to put yourself in the shackles of having to do this and that. You're free to do this and that, but you're not going to be shackled by it. Okay. All right. So, but here's that's and that's true. And here's some of my closing thoughts. I think, to a certain degree, I think we are all legalists to a certain degree when it comes to our faith in Christ and the Word of God. We're strict about the clothes people wear in church, and we base people's salvation on drinking alcohol, having tattoos, or smoking. And not even to that extent, but I'll take it even further and say people may think you are not a Christian based on if you don't fully believe in their interpretation of Scripture. Also, if we aren't careful, those of us who are more mature in some areas in their Christian walk than others will can uh, Christian walk, bleh, then we can also become a stumbling block to others, those who are babes in the faith, because we can be so careless because we have seen we have infinite grace. I think mature Christians can be say, hey, it's infinite grace, we're cool, we're good. Because babes in Christ can say, Oh, I guess I'm free to sin free to live how as i please so i think it is very cautious to be wise and christian faith and do what we ought not as we please so i think that's a i i probably say as i end with that as well but i'd like to elaborate what you just said again we are grace-based christian not work-based christians in the sense of we are work-based christians in the sense we want to do works because we've been redeemed by christ's good work on the cross but by his grace, we have been saved through faith, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So, again, thank you, Tony, for joining me today. And, yeah, always a pleasure to have you as well. And I will finish what I started with. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As our God makes appeal through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is Kelly Sansom and Tony Pagan with Reconciled Radio, signing off.